the issue is fake medicines and how people are dying and, and people are dying. I had to look at how to cover it from lots of different angles to tell different stories. Science. Science. Technology. Technology. Medicine. Medicine. Health. Health. These four things make the world go round. Without them, we couldn't exist. This is the Monday Science Podcast. A weekly show bringing you the latest research and news in science, technology, medicine, and health. Answering your questions or finding experts in the field to answer them. Your host is a pharmacist, an award-winning scientist. She leads her own research group and is the founder of King's College London Fight the Fakes. A tad bit on the qualified side. Welcome to Monday Science. Here's your host, Dr. Bahija Raimi Abraham. Another episode of Monday Science. Now, I'm going to get straight into today's episode, but I do want to say that this episode is only available as an audio episode for today, for this week. The video recording will be out later on in the week or next week Monday just having a little bit of issues with the editing. 18th to 24th of November is World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. Antimicrobial resistance, AMR, occurs when microorganisms such as bacteria, fungus, bugs basically, when these bugs they change over time and they're no longer able to respond to medicines and therefore they make infections harder to treat increase the spread of disease, severe illness, and even death in some cases. As a result of this drug resistance, antibiotics and other antimicrobial medicines, so such as antivirals, antiparasitic, antimalarial drugs, they can become ineffective and infections become increasingly difficult or impossible to treat. The World Antimicrobial Awareness Week is a global campaign that is celebrated annually. So it's always the 18th to the 24th of November. It's celebrated annually to improve awareness and understanding of antimicrobial resistance and to encourage best practice amongst the public, key stakeholders, such as healthcare professionals and policymakers to reduce the emergence and spread of antimicrobial resistance. Now, why am I talking about this? Fake antimicrobial medication, so that's like fake antibiotics, fake antivirals, fake antimalarials, for example, thought to be a neglected contributing factor to antimicrobial resistance. Last year, I was lucky enough to consult and be part of a series the BBC developed about fake medicines. Hannah Gelbart was the producer, and I was able to interview her at the BBC. It was amazing. In today's episode, I got to find out more about Hannah, her work, and what it was really like filming the series on fake medicines. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think in the comments or feel free to get in touch. Info at mondaysciencepodcast.com. We are here in the BBC and I am so excited and thank you so much for this opportunity. Let's get straight into it. So tell us about 
yourself. Who are you? I'm a journalist. I work at the BBC's World Service and I love doing TV and radio mostly and I like getting my hands dirty so I like filming it, I like editing, I like reporting. I've worked at lots of different departments at the BBC. At the moment I'm in a pretty new department called the Disinformation Unit and we look at trends in disinformation. So kind of harmful falsehoods that are deliberately spread and as you can imagine at the moment with everything in Russia and Ukraine there's quite a lot of that going around. Very interesting and I mean the disinformation, misinformation and infodemic conversation is something that's been ongoing, well I wouldn't say ongoing but particularly highlighted because of the pandemic and how there was lots of misinformation, disinformation as it related to COVID but obviously, well I don't know if we're going to touch on that. I think we're going to talk about it, definitely it's part of the story we're covering. Exactly (laughs) I've been building it up but no it's good, let's keep the suspense, no no no, (laughs) we should talk about it okay so, can I, if you don't mind, I would like to share my experience and then we could talk about yours because for me I think I got an email I think that's how it started. It started with an email. Sounds like romantic. A, I, that sounded so I didn't romantic. ask you out. I asked no. you to be a contributor for my news story. I know. I made it sound more romantic than it was, but it was in a way. But uh, yeah, so it started with an email. So as listeners would know, I have my own research group and I'm fascinated and interested in so many different things. But a big interest of mine as it relates to advocacy and awareness is the issue of fake medicines. And uh, when I got your email and you were, you know, fact finding, trying to understand, and I, it was an honour actually to receive your email and to be viewed as an expert and somebody who could give advice. And in complete honesty, I wasn't actually thinking that I would be contributing to your series. I just thought, I'm just going to talk to you about it. But I think I cracked a joke and said, oh, I should be in it. But I was joking. And you were in it like five times. Because <laughs> I, I was actually, I was like, oh, you know, add me in it, lol. But uh, so yeah, so that's that's it. So now you tell us your version, which is probably a lot more structured and, and, and clearer. But I was very excited to be part of something that's so important. And yeah, let's see from your end. (laughs) Right, where do I start? So it was the COVID pandemic. We were all working at home and I was working at BBC Africa. And I was aware that because of the pandemic and there was a lot of kind of fake news spreading and a lot of people were stressed, there were shortages of medicines. Also, people really needed drugs, like people really needed and really wanted a vaccine. And, you know, criminals took advantage of that and therefore started making and peddling these fakes. And it's particularly a problem in countries where people don't have access to regulated healthcare. So it's not such a big problem in the UK. So when I remember when we had our initial, we had several conversations, actually, and we talked about who are the, I guess, to, to some extent, who are the players in, in in this space? And I'd shared my interest in trying to speak with the criminals because I felt that they're, they're always left out of the conversation. It's all well and good, all the, you know, legal people? I don't, can I call them? Legit, maybe? <laughs> Legit, thank you. I am a legal person. The above ground. <laughs> the above ground people, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's all well and good. Those who are passionate and having these multidisciplinary conversations, but actually the missing population of the missing people, the it's missing the underground piece, stuff. It's the but underground it's obvious stuff. why they don't speak, because they're the criminals, right? They yeah. could identify themselves. So... You know, with this, we're talking about the space of fake medicines. And, you know, they always say you've got to cover a story, not an issue. So if the issue is fake medicines and how people are dying, and and people are dying, I had to look at how to cover it from lots of different angles to tell different stories. So, like you say, trying to speak to the criminals or the smugglers, trying to speak to 
World Customs Organization, who ran this massive international operation to try to track down on people smuggling these fake medicines. I spoke to experts, scientists, people who were inventing really cool tech devices to try and help people identify real and fake medicines. So I was looking at this story from lots of different angles and speaking to lots and lots of people in the field. And I found you via Fight the Fakes. So as listeners would know, because I'm the founder and academic lead of King's College London Fight the Fakes. Um, and our particular focus, which is linked to my research, which is looking at the issue of fake meds, but as it relates to anti-infectives, uh, particularly anti-malarials and um, anti-TB meds, anti-tuberculosis meds. And this is because particularly anti-malarials are thought to be one of the most widely falsified medicines. And we can also link this a little bit to COVID as well, where chloroquine, which is commonly used in malaria and also lupus, but talk about it from the malaria context, was thought to be a potential therapeutic option for COVID against COVID and that also fell into more increased risk of it being falsified and sold and and all those things. So, we saw it with ivermectin too. Exactly. In fact, one of the one of the raids that World Customs Organizations filmed for me, they did a lot of filming on their mobile phones. It was in South America somewhere and they had like a car and they pulled back the seats from the car and there were all of these packets of ivermectin. I mean, who knows how real or fake they are. One of the big problems that I came across when looking into this fake medicines issue is that a lot of the countries that have problems with fake medicines can't actually afford the technology to identify which pills are real and which are fake. So Benin, which I think we're going to talk about quite a bit later, um, actually identifies all medicines that are not made or transported in the official ways are automatically designated as fakes because they don't have the time, the resources or the technology to do checks on every single box of medicine. And so it's, it's easier for them to just destroy anything that's not being transported or made in, the, in, in a legal framework. Yeah, that's a very, it's a very important point because one of the biggest challenges is that in terms of data reported where, let's say, like people actually send me fake medicines to, you know, conduct analysis on this, particularly actually after the... the, the Did I get you a fan club? <laughs> a fake medicine fan club? Got a fake med- if like- you've got a sample, <laughs> send it to Behija. Yeah. She has all of the lab equipment <laughs> and she'll do it in her free time. She oh, loves it. I can't wait. Yeah, because I just get, I'm like, oh, can we send you this? I'm like, um, before I can even... And say yes oh here's the courier details I'm like oh okay thank you but I mean they're legit sources it's fine I'm going to analyze it but it's it's there's a it's there's a time lot. isn't it it's, takes it's time, time and, and resources work. yes and and you know my listeners know I talk a lot about funding as it relates to topics that are of interest and could have impact versus what is in line with you know agendas let's say right if you want to talk about things that real people are talking about and that can change yeah. lives or, or ideally save them exactly and so when we're talking about the analysis analytical assessment of the products that have been captured. I organised this um, monthly seminar called Let's Talk About Fakes. And that's where I get experts from everywhere, like academia, industry, regulatory environment to come and talk about fake medicines. And I would love if one day you could do that, but we'll talk about that separately. I'm not an expert. I mean, I'm just reporting on on all of the things that other people are doing. I've gained a bit of knowledge. Well, I feel that even though, yes, you may not be a topic expert as in scientist okay if you want to be official in that sense but actually the fact that you did this piece and 
the knowledge you gained from it. And also it was the the delivery. If I'll be honest, the the each segment, and I'm going to add all of them in the episode description, each piece of reporting was amazing. I'm not saying that I'm not fangirling. I totally am, but here we are. Love it. <laughs> but it was just each piece was amazing. Plus, okay, I keep saying like my segment, but yeah, my segment was amazing. But you know, in my in one of the main parts, I'm talking about the lab work, and then I'm talking about the sorry, the analytical assessment. I'm talking about how you can identify, you know, the different fake medicines and and things that you should look out for, and then reporting. Then you have the other segment with Tamara, who um, has actually been on the podcast. So she's a PhD researcher in my group. Group. She's from Nigeria and has had personal experience uh, with fake medicines and talking about it from her perspective. So the victim perspective, I think also Adebayo talked about victim perspective and then how it relates to impact and the inspiration, how that inspired him. You call to... Adebayo by his first name, but for anyone who doesn't know, oh, I thought Adebayo yes. Alongo, yeah, he's sorry. one of the tech entrepreneurs who, I mean, you know, because you work in this space, but he developed this nano scanner, this little device that you can pop your medicine on and it shines light into the medicine and tells you what it's made up of. The way you captured each story and how it was conveyed, you can actually see the impact in a practical sense. So um, my background heritage is Nigeria and a sprinkle of Trinidad and Tobago, which I have talked about a bit. And so when my um, segment came out, it did go viral through the WhatsApp aunties. <laughs> I went through WhatsApp links and all this stuff. But actually, I have noticed when I listen to some of the news briefings or things about fake medicines in Nigeria, like coming out from Nigeria, you can see changes in conversation. Even I've had people say, oh, now I'm going to make sure that I think about where am I getting and sourcing the medicines from. And these are conversations I've had with people or people who have emailed me to say, I saw the piece. That I I don't know. Yeah. And people in Nigeria as well. So it's not just diaspora. It's actually people on the ground, either not necessarily working in the space, but they are scientists themselves. Ideally, ideally, we're hoping to get to consumers. So I was working at a um, program called BBC What's New, which is for teenagers across Africa. So it was very much at a kind of young person audience in Africa. Um, And the interest in fake medicines was because, uh, according to some of the experts that I spoke to, 300,000 children were dying each year by taking fake from taking fake medicines. Uh, A lot of them were anti-malarials. And it might not be the kind of substances in the medicines that are killing them directly. It could be that they're taking the fake and therefore they're not getting the real medicine and then they're dying from malaria. So it's a real big issue. So it was a seven part video series and the first one was like an animated explainer, which is great because whenever the issue of fake medicines come up and people don't exactly know what we're talking about or why they're dangerous, it's a good way to get the facts. Then there was a series of videos talking to you, talking to Tamara. We looked at how to spot fake medicines, the mobile phone, how to look at them with your eyes and analyse the packaging, things like that. And there was also a podcast, which is for a programme called People Fixing the World. And it's about the people who are trying to find solutions to the world's problems. Yeah, it's very nice. Yourself included. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Actually, that's, that's very touching. It's it's just there's it's, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming because there's so much to be done. But I'm an, I'm a big advocate for empowering the people. And that's what I feel this piece did, because 
you created something that is practical. People can use that information and it empowers them. Yes, from an academic point of view, I'm not getting a grant out of it. I'm not getting a paper, but it's not about that. There's something to take away from every single one of the pieces that you created. And they can take that away and feel empowered that they know something about fake medicines. I remember I, we were just talking and I think we were like, what could be the motivation for the criminals? It has to be money. Yeah. I mean, they have families to feed. Exactly. I'm sure that's what they would say. So we did manage to speak to a couple of the smugglers. We decided not to include their interviews in the final piece. This was in Benin in West Africa, so we did some filming there. They basically denied all knowledge of it. Them denying it didn't really add that much to the story. I mean, there's this one guy who was caught with 50 kilos of tramadol, which is like a prescription painkiller. Sorry, I just want to add yeah. it's a controlled drug. <laughs> anyway, this guy with his tramadol and his little rickshaw said he had no knowledge of what he was carrying. Someone had given him the bags of stuff, put it on his bike, and then the officers went back to his place and they just discovered sacks and sacks and sacks of the stuff. Wow. Were you worried about like creating, including the smugglers, the criminals in the piece. You know, I, yeah, yeah. just talk us through that whole experience and how you did have to navigate, I mean, whatever you can share, like how you had to navigate that. And So I was worried yeah. about lots of things with this piece. First thing to say is we're in the middle of the pandemic. I've got a fantastic story in Benin. I've been speaking to World Customs Organization for six months to a year. And finally, they've said... You can come and film some raids. We think we've got a target. But my editor won't let me go. It's COVID. I have to do the whole thing remotely. I have to find a freelance camera operator and a freelance reporter who on the ground to basically go and do this. And I have to set it all up and I have to risk assess it. And I'm scared for the journalists because, you know, there are criminal gangs operating. On the actual raids themselves, would people have guns? Had people kicked off on raids before? Would people get hurt? What if someone got COVID and wasn't allowed to leave Benin? So it was it was a pretty risky deployment, but it was also really, really exciting. And the footage we got back was amazing. The customs officers had managed to find, on the first day of filming, two guys on motorbikes. And the motorbikes were piled high with sacks. They were, like, strapped onto the back of these motorbikes. They looked like they would topple over. And early on, there was this motorbike chase where the custom vehicles are just swerving behind the motorbikes. The motorbike guys get off. They drop the bikes to the ground. They hot-foot it. The whole road's cordoned off. You've got traffic going one side. They get this knife, this kind of blunt instrument, and they take it to these canvas bags and they, they, they cut them open and these boxes and boxes and boxes of medicines just fall to the ground. I mean, the quantity is immense. And then, you know, they filmed how they, they took the rest of the sacks that they hadn't cut open, they put them into these lorries, they piled them high and then they drove them to their warehouse where they unloaded them, they counted through everything that they'd got and we saw some some interesting and creative ways that these um, illicit substances or, or at least substandard or unlegally made or unlegally transported substances were smuggled in these massive bags of corn, in drinks cartons and all kinds of very, very creative ways of getting around the law. It was really worth it because the footage we got was amazing and it was a really great way for us to tell this story and to show the scale of it. I mean, to show how much 
fake medicines. How the quantity was just astonishing, and that is being smuggled across borders on a daily basis. And over two days, you know, we saw kilos and kilos and kilos of the stuff. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's that's mind blowing. Okay, so we've spoken a lot about the challenges. So what for you was the surprising wins? Gosh, the whole journey was a win. I mean, the access I get I gained through the contacts that I made and the relationships that I built over probably nearly a year took me into a world that I could I didn't imagine. I didn't know anything about beforehand and I was able to bring it to the attention of the world. And some of the stories had millions of views. They were uh, on the front page of the BBC News website, BBC Africa, all across social media. So, wow, it was exciting to be able to meet people and hear their stories and report on this subject in a new way and really you know hopefully it will lead to more education about the issue more awareness and actually people might not there might not be as many deaths from fake medicines in the future that's that's the the hope anyway that'll be really nice and yeah it's interesting it'll be interesting to see what comes next as a result of the series but then i guess the other question is do you plan on revisiting this topic in the same way or because you did mention the new field you're working in so is there potential any potential of linking the two so the new field I'm working on is this disinformation and I, I don't think I'll necessarily go back to fake medicines unless you know someone who I've worked with or interviewed or someone who's seen the film comes back to me and says you know have you heard about this this is a really interesting story angle I think the BBC should cover so you know Hints and tips, yes, welcome. But the other thing is there's a lot of crossover with disinformation and fake medicines. They're both to do with fakes, falsified information, falsified substances. And the spread of, of false information actually was one of the factors that led to this global boom in fake medicines. And we've talked about it before. Ivermectin, other miracle cures for COVID, fake news about vaccines. That was one of the, the reasons why there were so many fake medicines being made and transported around the world in the first place. Like, I'm quite interested to see where things are going with the online online fake medicines. Pharmacies and stuff. Yeah, online pharmacies. So we just published a review. Where are we in the year? I think it was February. There was a review on access to medicines via online purchasing and things like that. And I'm just interested to see where things go in that area. Especially in, as they say, the global north. So as we see things more in places like the UK, America, Europe, all, you know, all those sort of sectors, I, I would like to see. And then also how that relates to the global south, as they call it, because online purchasing of medicines isn't just, you know, in places like the UK. There are avenues for ordering things via like different platforms amazon ebay whatever in... telegram channels exactly that's one of the yeah. one of the areas i've been looking yeah oh ooh, it's a dark dark world yeah so for the purpose of bbc africa and at the time given the pandemic we didn't really look at the online trade in in fake and substandard medicines now i'm covering kind of the world <laughs> world service as it was so there is scope to potentially look at that but i do remember that someone said that um, of a study of online pharmacies they'd found that 95% of all of them had been operating illegally whatever that meant whether it was not kind of declaring the products in the right way or not doing the right tests or or whatever so there is a huge and a growing problem with how people get fake medicines on the internet i want to ask you a question 
production that's not related to what we've talked about, or maybe it could be, I don't know. Which production, sorry, are you most proud of in your career to date? So the most important thing I've ever done, I think, is about it's about my family and my family story. It's definitely what my mum's proudest of. That counts for a lot, as you know. So my grandfather was a Holocaust survivor and he was under the age of 18, I think maybe 16 or 17, no one really knows, um, because he lost all of his records and stuff, when the war ended and he'd been in five or six Nazi concentration camps and he was part of a group of about 700 orphaned Jewish children who were welcomed to the UK by the British government and were rehabilitated and... This is a story that is used again and again to show how important it is for us to welcome people who we don't necessarily know into our society and how to be kind to people we meet. And anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but the way we told this story was that in 2019, a group of Holocaust survivors and their children and their grandchildren, including myself, went to Prague and we recreated a photo that was taken in 1945. And in this photo, this group of about 700-odd children are standing by the statue in Prague's main square. And this photo really captures the moment where they were officially leaving the concentration camps behind them and going to start their new lives in the UK. And so I interviewed three survivors. My grandfather sadly not with us anymore. About the Holocaust and about their experiences of the UK, and it was it was so emotional to be able to ask all the questions as frankly as I wanted and to hear their answers. They showed me the tattoos on their arms, and then we went and filmed this this trip revisiting the main sites in Prague that they'd known, including Theresienstadt concentration camp, and you know one of them told me about the bodies piled up that he remembered and things like that. So it was a really important story to tell for many reasons. I mean, I think in the age of disinformation and narratives about Jews and Nazis and the Holocaust and Holocaust denial, this will always be an important story to tell. It, it's so close to home. And yet, I'd never got the chance to interview my grandpa. And sitting in the BBC going through some of the footage of the concentration camps that was so horrific that it would not be safe to broadcast. It really, really touched me in um, in a way. But I didn't want that to dominate. I wanted it to be positive and I wanted it to show that we can accept child refugees into our society. We can open our arms and they can go on to contribute. I mean, one of these one of these children went on to be an Olympic medalist for the UK and they all made a contribution to society. And I guess if they hadn't been welcomed into the UK, then I wouldn't be here. So wow. that that is an important story for me. I'm, I'm a little bit emotional hearing that. It's amazing. That's amazing. And it's nice when you can have the opportunity with your work to honour your family. Not everyone gets that opportunity. And it's, yeah, it's amazing that you got to do that. I mean, only because they're part of a bigger story, of course. Like, you can't just make up a story about your family. They happen to have a story that was newsworthy and worth telling. And I was really honoured to tell it. Amazing. Brilliant. Well, thank you for sharing that. So what's next for you? I want to continue exploring reporting, finding important stories to tell and telling them in lots of creative ways. 
and I love the flexibility that reporting for online platforms gives us podcasts as well thank you so much Hannah thank you for your time thank you for just taking the opportunity to come and speak to me today and thank you I don't know if I've properly thanked you for including me in the series not only was it an amazing opportunity I learned so much about communication I, I love I love communicating but you know learning how to communicate in a way that will have impact is I've never had that training before. I've just been, I was about to say feral. That's probably the wrong I term. love that. <laughs> I've been wild. I've been wild with my skills. But the experience and the opportunity I had with you was a training in its, its, in its own right. You were amazing. You were so kind. Thank you for that, that experience, the training. And thank you for including me in something. And thank you for the work that you did bringing the issue, the global issue of fake medicines to the forefront. It, it, thank you. That's I, I haven't said that properly before, so I just want to take the opportunity You're to say that. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> it's been a pleasure working with you. You've been listening to the Monday Science Podcast, a weekly show bringing you the latest research and news in science, technology, medicine, and health. We hope you've gotten some useful and thought-provoking info from the show, and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on our website at www.mondaysciencepodcast.com. Shoot us an email at info at mondaysciencepodcast.com. Find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Monday Science. And access episode summaries at mondayscience.medium.com. See you next week on the Monday Science Podcast.